When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do I feel like I was born in the wrong body? No. 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 I feel like I was born in the perfect right Jocelyn's body. And part of my journey has been to medically intervene with that and change my body. And the easier route would have been to stay as a boy. I like, well, that was the thing is that I, it felt like I would rather be dead. I'm a hot woman. I'm a fucking hot woman. And so, yes, Guys are attracted and they're like, oh yeah, this, this, this. Oh, but I'm not gay. I mean, men are so terrified because society taught them to be terrified of being gay. And I wrote on this piece of paper, Jason, I'm going to burn Jason. I want let go of all of that. And I was told by a friend, no, 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 don't burn Jason. And it occurred to me to write Jocelyn on the other side of the piece of paper. And I wanted to burn, and it sounds cheesy, but it was so powerful to me. It made me cry, which is, I want to burn the separation between Jason and Jocelyn. All right, pronouns. They're this thing that is so popular in culture today. And I was having a conversation with my friend, Steve Winnen. We were off to meet up with some friends. We had a mud day. We got a mud bath where you put mud product all over your body and allegedly it makes you look younger and feel fresh. I didn't feel that much better. I think I just had some dirt underneath my fingernails, but on the drive out there, we were talking about pronouns and him and I were just so confused by it. So I called a friend of mine who's gonna be on this podcast who I've been friends with for the past almost 20 years, Jocelyn DeFries. And she's an actor, writer, producer, and activist. And of anyone I've had this conversation with, she has been the most articulate and helpful in understanding what to make of this confusion. So Tony, I had Jocelyn come out. She stayed at my house last night. Uh, we slept in separate rooms because we're friends. <laughs> and uh, she's leaving tomorrow. But thanks for, for joining us today. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And I know you're so much more than just be, just being trans, you know, but I just wanted to really get into this topic today because I think it would be really helpful to talk about it. But give a little bit of your story before we get into it. We met when you were Jason. Yeah, you. we met. We in met, rehab. Yeah, we met in rehab in our, our support group. Like you were there from the beginning of this. You know, it's yeah. like in St. Paul, Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota, we, we went through a program called Hazelden. I went in there for drug addiction. How'd you end up in rehab? Uh, everything. I was a garbage dump. So garbage I was like, can. yeah, yeah. Gar garbage can, uh, alcoholic. How old were you? I was 20. You were 20 years old. I hadn't even had a legal drink in the United States yet. And then talk to me about you came into Hazelden, into the program we went through together as Jason. Yeah. You got sober. Yeah. And then at what point was it kind of a conscious decision that I'm going to transition? Well, that was the reason I got sober was I was working, I was living in New York and I had these therapists that were like, okay, well, 
I mean, I was having the revelations. I was actually on like drugs when I had the revelation. I'm like on acid and I'm like, this is what I need to do. And it wasn't that I hadn't always felt that. It was like having the clarity of mind of like, like, oh, it's direct. I see it. This is what I am. And I had all the filters down. And then the next day I was sober and I was like, oh shit, I'm not doing that. Were you like, how the fuck am I going to become a- I was devastated. I literally felt like my life was over because I thought I was going to lose everything. You know, I was living in this society that was like, I was a good looking, blonde haired, blue eyed, privileged kid in, you know, and- From Nebraska. From Nebraska, like Catholic boarding school. All this stuff, you know, I'm like, it, was, it could not get more conservative. Um, and the easier route would have been to stay as a boy. I like, well, that was the thing is that I, it felt like I would rather be dead. I felt like I would rather be dead than have to go through what I was seeing in these like, you know, MSNBC specials of these women saying, be prepared to lose everything. I've lost my family. I've lost love. I've lost. By all, becoming. By so going through medical transition. Got it. And then, so I started seeing doctors in New York and they were like, well, you shouldn't do anything until you get sober. And so I tried to quit on my own and didn't work. Tried to do outpatient, didn't work. Because they thought too, that maybe you were doing drugs and drinking. So maybe this was just a phase because you were on drugs. Sure. 100%. And my family, you know, God bless them because they were still supportive. I mean, you know, my family and, um, they were like, we don't understand it, but we love you no matter what, and we're going to support you. So, but my dad said, if we're going to support you, we want you to see the best doctors, whatever that means. And um, it turned out that the program for human sexuality at the University of Minnesota just so happened to be like down the road from Hazelden. And, you know... I finally was like, okay, and I'm going to do 30 day inpatient because I, I wasn't stopping on my own. And had you ever, and I, and I know people can be, which we'll get into, people can be trans and not dress a certain style of way, sure. right? Because culture says a man dresses like this, a woman dresses like right. this. And that's so much of how we perceive feminine and masculine. Right. It's, yeah. Right. It's what society's told us. It's what society has told us. Like if we were in another world, it could have been men wear dresses, kilts. I mean, men have worn kilts in certain yeah. cultures, and women would wear suits or what have you. But in our culture, there's all these messages around. This is what's beauty. Right. So you're like, I'm born biologically would this be right to say you were born a dude? Yeah, I was identified male at birth. You were like identified the, male at birth, right? Yeah, the doctor, the doctor saw uh, a penis and you know was like, "Okay, that's a boy. Here we go. This is your identity." And then my parents did what people did in 1981. They were like, you know, and I was actually having this conversation with my dad yesterday when they were driving to the airport in Nebraska. They were like. Like remembering when I used to dress up as like a little girl when I was like three years old, four years old, five years old. And my, you know, my dad would not know what to do with that and would be like all freaked out and scared. It was like, you know, don't do that. Don't do that. And, you know, because they thought if they just told you no, it would protect you from wanting to feel that Mm -hmm. or having adversity in your life. And that. I mean, it was three years old, four years old, five years old, but I saw the kids around me, you know, the worst message was like, 
don't be a sissy. Don't, you know, boys don't do that. You know, be tough, you know, whatever slur they wanted to throw at me for, you know, being feminine. And so I learned real quick how to act like a boy. Right. And, and play that once, role. And then once you got sober and your still appearance is of a boy. Yeah. Like this sounds horrible to say. Yeah. Okay. This sounds awful. I'm glad I'm not trans because I think I would make it, uh, I would be an enormous woman that would have a harder time. Like you have smaller frame than me. I have enormous frame. I feel like I would have a very hard time. Well, I mean, there's, and that's what goes back to the standards of beauty, right? right. Like what is it? What does society say? It's like, no, women are supposed to be petite and small. So it's almost like the, in a way, when it's, it's fucked up, it's fucked up too, because the more that you can't quote, pull it off, the more harassment or, or, or bad attention you get. And well, it's your life is in danger. <laughs> You're literally, I mean, I, for, you know, trans feminine friends of mine that walk down the street and people, I mean, be in Minneapolis at the beginning of my medical transition, going to these support groups, I'm supposed to be liberated. I, the, you know, they made me stay sober for a year before I could start hormones and go take all these tests and jump through hoop, jump through hoop. I'm, and they're like, you have to go through real life experience in order to transition to, to before we give you hormones and all this stuff. Oh, they make you do a series of things before they, Th allow this you. is what it was like in 2003. So they're almost like, you need to dress like a woman. You need to do that in order to get hormones. Th those are not the things that they do anymore. Thank but they God. used to, they used to because that's, it was dangerous. It was, I remember walking from my car in downtown Minneapolis, you know, in some very uncomfortable dress that I was very awkward. I was like a 12 year old trying to figure out, you know, figure what out what my style was, what was comfortable, you know? And also like all the messed up things of like having secondary sex characteristics, you know, like I had, I was fully testosterone. So I was a little bulkier, you know, like I was, a, you knew my frame. My frame was very different when I met you, mm -hmm. you know, and I definitely presented as male. That's the way I was received in the world. So then when they said, okay, you, ha you can't have hormones. We need you to dress like a woman as much as possible. So you qualify, which is so fucked up. And then I would walk down the street and have because my- Because they will not give you hormones unless you qualify. Where where I was- Where you were at that time. Where I was at that time. And their, their program has totally changed and they right, progress. Right, but that's how it was back then. That's how it was back then. And I needed to. You needed to play the part of proving that you were. It was woman constantly enough. proving my identity. It was constantly fucking proving my identity. And the thing was, is that back then the message that I received was that okay, if you're going to medically transition, you better do it right. You better get all these surgeries. You better be as feminine as possible. You better quote unquote pass. So you now at this point, your goal is. I'm going to be as passable as possible because in a sense, culture makes it where you get bullied less, you get harassed less. And you're rewarded for beauty. And you're rewarded for beauty. So then you were on a mission through. And you were around for that And mission. I was around. I mean, the end procedure I was around for and I actually stayed in a hotel in Arizona because Jocelyn and I were, were very, we've been very close friends. We haven't like spent a lot of time together in the last like eight, nine years. Yeah. We were inseparable for about 10. Yeah. Inseparable. You know? Yeah. And like I would, and 
you know, and, and I, I was there when you got your penis became a vagina, right. which I don't know. There's a better name. G- gender reassignment surgery. And that like- was one of the most extreme recoveries for me. It was no, that I've seen of humans. Like I remember visiting you in the ho- in the hospital and because your body has a traumatic response. I mean, it's, it was a, a very excruciating. And, and for me, the experience was, I thought this was supposed to make me happy. And in so many ways it did. In so many ways it did. But the pain that I was going through, the physical pain. And then, you know, also I had hormonal issues happening. The whole body's changing. And one of the most painful parts was recovering at my parents' house in Palm Desert and going to a diner. I I didn't have makeup on. My hair was pulled back. I had baggy t-shirt because I my whole body swollen. And I'm being called sir. I'm being called sir. And I'm like- Even after all these procedures. After all these procedures. And when you say all these procedures, the last more severe was that before that, I mean, and I mean, when I did my nose and my chin and you came, yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. me that like stuffed, stuffed flower that like yeah, talks. Yeah. 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 I got you a gift of stuffed flower. I forgot you got your nose done, your chin. chin. Yeah. I, I got, you know, and I did all these things. I went through all these procedures so that I could be accepted. Right. I did all these things because, you know, I need to look feminine. I need to be this. And I, I am, I, I am a feminine spirit, 100%, you know, well, not 100%, no one's fucking 100% anything, right. you know? And it's like, and, but I have this like energy that is like this, I, I like getting my makeup done and stuff and I like expressing femininity. So, yeah. So okay. just to this point though, you got your, you, it's gotta be horrific though. You've gotten your your nose done your chin done whatever else done and then you finally you've gotten reassignment of your private parts and then you go to a diner and you're thinking you're at the you know finally i'm gonna be accepted and then someone calls you sir so and it's like it wasn't malicious it wasn't mean it and you know um and i and to me that was always such like an insult because I was running from it. I mean, that was the piece. It's like, I was running from my masculinity because it was bad. My masculinity was the bad part and I needed to be as feminine as possible. So I would talk like this and be smaller. I went from being loud when I first met you and being like, you know, pretty ridiculous or whatever. And then I, I go through medical transition. I get harassed by police. I get harassed by guys on the street. I got chased on the street. I had, you know, people laugh at me in public and point at me. I mean, I had so much shit that happened that I was like, oh, if anything's masculine, I'm bad. And bottom line, and this goes back to like what we talked about before, which is like, oh, that means I'm just not lovable. That means I'm not going to be lovable in romantic relationships and I'm not going to be lovable by society, um, you know, as an actor, which I've studied acting prior to medical transition. I went to school for it when I was 18. So much of it was like, okay, well, if 
you, you have to be beautiful to be in this industry. You have to be beautiful to do this. Well, then that means I better do whatever it takes to be beautiful. Yeah, it's almost like doing whatever it takes to, in this idea that we are we would be fully accepted if we become this. It's like chasing an illusion in a way. It is an absolute illusion. It's not real because at my, you know, my struggles with trying to have my body a certain size and, you know, oh, I'm going to starve this or I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this diet or whatever. It's like none of it has ever made me happy. Yeah. And Mike, if you don't mind me asking, what was your take on all this during like that time? Like, well, how did you feel? Well, I, I mean, I've always liked the outcasts in my life. So I liked, I probably selfishly love Jocelyn more because I've always been attracted to people that march to their own beat. So here's Jason who becomes Jocelyn is still cool as shit. And we have a lot of fun and we're both sober. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm down for the, the <laughs> ride and I'll support you and you support me. It was really seeing how much Jocelyn struggled throughout of it, like moments of extreme struggle. My, my heart goes out to people that are going through this level of emotional pain, you know? And I, I guess in part of the reason I wanted to talk about pronouns and they, them, and Zer and all of this stuff was because it's interesting. Like I've never, I've almost seen a being around someone who's gone through it. I've had this more recently, a lot of confusion, which you would think I would be very clear on pronouns. And, and we've talked about this on other podcast episodes. I mean, what do you think? I'm I'm confused by them. I don't see why what like the reason is for pronouns. Like I feel like it's something that's just like I feel like it's something that we shouldn't be like making a big deal of, but yet again it is a big deal right now. And I'm just not clear on like why. Well, I mean, I think it's always about having identity validated, right? You know, it's like, okay, so it's about people, you know, what are our language today? What everything we we grew up with is based upon something that was this idea of like man and woman, there's two. But I don't know anyone that's really happy living in that too. I don't know that like in living in that meaning like, oh, I've watched gay men struggle to be more masculine. I've watched cis women starve themselves to be more feminine. I've watched cis women have every plastic surgery to, oh no, men like big boobs. What am I going to do? I'm going to go have surgery. I'm going to do all these things. So it's not that I'm, I grew up seeing cis people really happy with these masculine feminine identities. I saw them all doing desperate to be more manly. I mean, some of the greatest pain that I have seen in this life is with cis hetero identified men. When you say cis, I know what, what, what people identified male at birth that it correlates like that their gender identity is the same as what they were identified at birth. So if I, I'm, I don't mean to be presumptuous, but I assume you identify as male. Yes. And I assume that you are ident identified by the doctors at birth as male. Yes. So 
you're cis male because you're cis is like same as trans is opposite of. So, you know, it's like, I would imagine, you know, I growing up that you had a very um, specific image of what a boy was. Mm -hmm. And that is not always the most embracing of having feelings. Uh, It wasn't okay to cry. It wasn't okay um, to like other boys because like that, like the, the like gay slurs on the playground when I was like in, you know, fourth grade, that was the worst thing you could call someone. Yeah. And it was like, oh, well, so if that's the case, if that's the worst thing you can call someone, how is, how are, how is the, the, the gender system, how is he, she, how is the binary, how is that working? If anything that crosses into femininity is bad and, you know, it's like, well, God, I mean, like something's not working because, and then it's like, if we fast forward to today, who are the kids that are blowing up schools and shooting kids because they have so much anger at 13 or 14 years old, they're young boys because they can't express their feelings. So they go and get a gun and they shoot up the schools. It's like listening to these writers. It's like, I mean, believe me, I and any one of my friends in my life 10 years ago could, I, I did not understand they, them. I did not understand it. And I actually said to a friend, like, because I was so locked into what I was told, it's he, she, I went through this battle. I, this is my identity. I didn't get it. And thank God for the younger generation coming along and being like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Gender fucked. Fuck this. And it gave me the freedom to be like, well, wait, what am I doing? Because I was told to do it. And what am I doing? Because I actually, it's part of me. And I just have the, the gift, the opportunity to actually question it. So many people don't actually question it because it's in, in, it's a given. Nope. This is what boys are. This is what a man is. It's not okay. Yes. I could see. Okay. They, them for someone who feels they're born in the wrong sex. Right. And it's easier to digest. And I've told you before, I feel like there was a lot of stuff for trans. It was like trans in the military conversation, healthcare for trans. And now there's been this giant wave that I, I have very few, we run in different circles now, right? Like you, you're friends with, you know, the most powerful trans actresses and, and, and those are your girl, those are your women, right? Those, you all, you, you all go on trips together and that's part, you guys are like, but for people to also understand it, what is that like transition? Because this, this is the transition conversation, the conversation and listening and asking questions and sitting here with people who I'm like, okay, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I'm going to be honest and open and vulnerable and say that and try to have a conversation because it's like, I think what it looks like in the future, it's like, okay, we don't know what it's going to look like. 
We never know. It's going to get messy. And it has to get messy because something has to change. And like part of that change is like, oh, I want my, uh, I, I want my gay cis friend who is in his 40s, who had this idea of masculinity, who played basketball and did all this stuff to have the freedom to just say, to question mm-hmm. their, own, their own space, to question, what did I do? Not, I'm not saying that someone has to go by they, them. I'm not saying- You know, it's interesting you say that though, because I think part of the problem is the hardwiring of what trans meant right. for so long. And now the conversation is around, no, this is what trans is. And it's a different idea around it than what before it was, let's say male to female, be as beautiful as possible, get hormones, get surgeries, be as passable as possible. And everyone goes, oh my God, fierce. You're so amazing, right? Like that was the thing. And then people who don't- It was so toxic. It was so like that, that idea- is what was, you know, like we were talking about, like, you know, walking around West Hollywood and being told that, you know, when I'm maybe at my most mental and physical unhealthy place, Mm -hmm. but I look amazing. It's like, and I pass or whatever. It's like, there's something wrong with that. If someone's literally like hurting themselves to become the right thing. Like, it's like, if, and, and I don't, I don't mean that it's not, it's liberating. It's very liberating and uh, affirming to have medical, some medical procedures, but it's like, it's also at the same time, I'm like, if someone's, I'm addicted, uh, a person's addicted to drugs and to numb through this, it's like, something's not working. But why, why do you think the message outside of younger progressives why do you think it's turning a lot of people off you know i think people are scared to be to to say the wrong thing we live in cancel culture and so it's like oh i can't say the wrong thing and then how do people respond to that well i don't want to say the wrong thing so i'm not going to say anything and they get angry because they don't want to screw up they just want to do the right thing they want to be kind and i think that's genuinely what i'm i encounter in the world is everyone just wants to be okay Mm -hmm. and they don't want to hurt people's feelings or they and people don't want to get canceled and so it creates a lot of frustration and anger because people are like this side's canceling me this side's canceling me and instead of people listening and having conversation they're canceling each other and getting defensive or getting angry or you know saying Oh, that's not a real thing. Or, you know, the, you know, the language, this and language, you know. Yeah, it's it's confusing. Like, I know there was in the media, the homecoming queen was a guy, right? And it was like celebrated and certain. And I'm like, to me, it's like the media force, they'll take extreme whatever stories, examples. And for a certain sect, it may be inspiring. But I think for a lot of people, it's a turnoff because there's no bridge or like anything. It's almost like accept us for who we are. If you don't, we're pissed. Uh, but we're not going to accept you for thinking differently than us. Our way's right. You know, you must 
tell me, you must validate how I feel. Otherwise, you're wrong. Like, even the fact that trans or they pronouns or any of that are even involved in politics, it's, it's polarizing right now, where I feel like it actually creates where certain political parties will not have a conversation around it because it's pushed on one side instead of there being like a collective. I mean, I think anything that is absolute, anything where it's like, it has to be this, you have to this, you have to listen to me. I think that's a problem. I think there's not, if people can't have like diplomatic conversation and be tactful and respectful, that's a problem. But I also think that when you look at marginalized communities, there's an understandable amount of anger that people feel because it's for in historically people have been silenced. And so there's a lot of built up aggression and this is in any marginalized community. So it's like, there's a lot of anger and some, and absolutely there are people and now everyone has a platform to speak out. And so lots of angry people, and this is on the left and the right. There are angry people in this country right now. And the, and that's over here and that's over here. You know, I, I definitely would say that people around gender identity and they, them are not the as uh, militant as the people far over here on the right. Right. You know, people, <laughs> I did not see anyone that identified as they, them storming that capital and, you know, killing people. That's not where I'm seeing, I'm actually seeing that this community of people who identify as they, them being murdered at a much higher rate. But I, I mean, living in LA, I, I see, I'm not, I see both as equally as angry, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm right in this, but that's just like what I see Okay, is anything in an extreme um, creates right fighting and my thought, my thinking, it creates these like cultures right. that feed off of, uh, you're not going to tell me what to do, or you're not going to tell me who the president is, or you're not going to tell me that my gender is invalid, or, you know, it's like, and I, I wonder how someone can understand it more because were you clear yet or was it still confusing to you? I mean, it's still confusing, but I also had a question for you. Please. Um, should cis hetero people use pronouns for themselves? I mean, if you introduce me, if you introduced yourself to me, hi, Tony, mm -hmm. he, him. But should should people have to do that though? If I introduce myself, I, you, it's and, his and choice. It's a, that's someone's choice. Okay. That's someone's choice. Someone like, I'm going to- What's your opinion though, right? What's my opinion? What's your opinion on if- People should be introducing them. All, everyone should introduce their pronouns. I mean, I, personally, I don't introduce myself as Jocelyn, she, her. Like, I don't in walk into any space. I walk in, I'm Jocelyn. Like, I'm not, I'm not my pronoun. Um, like, that's not, for me, my identity. Hon honestly, my identity is constantly fluctuating anyways. You know, we have Zoom calls now, or people will put in their signatures their pronouns. Sure. And I can't tell you how many people ha have told me, oh my God, if I see her pronoun one more time in an email, people have literally communicated this to me because it's, um, 
it's a, what is the word uh, what people use to basically show my, like my question would be why, like truly to me, yeah. I mean, cause I, I see it and I, you know, it's like, um, often I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. You know, like I, I'm happy for people whose pronoun that people are given the opportunity to, to do that. That's great. Like if, you know, because a lot of times I'll answer my phone and people are like, okay, sir, this. And I'm like, I want to scream. No, ma'am. Like I want to scream it, you know, or I mean, there've been plenty of times in the past where I get fucking pissed off and I'm like, um, you know, someone who I hear a deep voice on the other, I'm like, oh, thank you, ma'am. You know, like I want to like fight back. And because I'm like, you're not respecting me. So if I see on your Zoom that it says, you know, Tony, he, him, great. Yeah. I can respect that. Like it's in no way negatively impacting me. Like, and I don't understand when people are like, it just honestly that to me, if someone's annoyed by it, I'm like, what's going on with you that that actually bothers you? I think, I think it, it, from my experience and communicating with people and maybe you've have a different one, Tony. It's this idea of um, if someone doesn't buy into something, being forced into a conversation or forced into um, there's a there's a word, and I'm going to figure out because I wanted to do a podcast. It's 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 two words, and it basically means it's basically showing your um, wokeness. But through your through your signature, showing your wokeness through like Zoom and your pronouns or whatever. Okay. Um, it'll hit me at some point. But I think there's confu a. I think there's confusion. Like, why do you have to tell me? Why do you even have to tell me? Like it. Like, like I. I would say for myself. Like, if someone goes by she/her, I would just call them by their name. Like whatever name they are is their name why is it so important for me to even know how they identify themselves if i'm calling them by their name if you're calling them by their name then i mean i i think that's a safe bet you can always call someone by their name if some it's like no one can force anyone to do anything right i can't force you to uh respect my gender identity. I can't force you to respect my pronouns. I can't demand that of anyone, but I can ask it. And if someone chooses not to do that, then that that's their choice. It's mm -hmm. like, but I'm like, I'm of the mindset where I'm like, okay, if you're asking me to call you he, him, or if you're asking me to call you they, them, I'm, I should respect it. Like, I don't, for me, I don't, I really truly don't understand what, why that would make someone angry. Like, I don't understand why it would make someone angry that I, I, I would say, okay, call me she, Jocelyn, she, her. Like. Do you want to answer it? I don't know. I'm just like, I'm, I, to me, it just, it's, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily make me angry. It just gives me like, a, I don't understand what's like the the point of it like i don't see like why people make it such a big deal to where it's like i've seen some like videos on like tiktok where like people are like like respect the fact that i'm a, like it's like i get it like if if i feel like if someone 
some people do it to piss other people off. I saw a viral video. I'm sure we've all seen it of this woman uh, walking to a store and, you know, he's, she's saying like, it's ma'am. And then, you know, the guy at the cash register keeps saying, sir, which I'm like, people obviously do that to piss other people off. Like they're obviously calling you sir because they know it's a button that they're going to trigger. It's like, I don't see getting angry and upset. Isn't going to like, I feel like it's not going to really do much. It's just like, it's people have, I think anger, I mean, anger is like often, it's just going to be a response to feeling hurt. Right. So if someone's feeling disrespected and hurt, like that's actually what I have the question about. I'm like, oh, so this person's hurting. This person's going through something and they're going, th- they're experiencing pain and they're responding with anger. It's like, okay, well then what, you know, what's, what's going on with that? But like in the instance of like where I think the importance of the pronouns is around the fact that people just want to be validated. Yeah. I just want to be respected and validated. And I've had been so disrespected that it has caused a lot of pain. It has caused a lot of grief. And I, I fortunately have the tools and been given tools by friends and lovely people in my life. I've been, you know, had lots of resources. And with that, I, I choose not to respond with anger. Well, I can't say that. I mean, I understand why some people get angry. Yeah. I also have a question. Virtue signaling. That's what it is. I've never heard of virtue signaling. It's where you basically are, are putting out your, your signaling, how virtuous you are. And it's, that's what, I was really, but go ahead, Tony. Gotcha. I, you I have a question because you brought it up earlier. Do you feel like you were born in the wrong body? Do I feel like I was born in the wrong body? No. 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 Um, I feel like I was born in the perfect right Jocelyn's body. And part of my journey has been to medically intervene with that and change my body. Right. If I was born 2000 years ago, would I have felt the need to have plastic surgery or gender reassignment surgery? Definitely not. That, cause that wouldn't even have been something in my mind. Would I want to been experienced as a woman in society? Very likely. Cause that's the way I, I feel inherently. But do I believe that this was the wrong? I used to say that. Mm. I, that used to be the way I would tell people who I'm sure when I met you, you know, like I just was born in the wrong body and I'm going to medically intervene. Well, no, I'm, I live in 2021 and in order to psychologically survive in society, I had to acclimate to fit in so that I would feel safe. And, you know, and often it's like those surgeries that I've gone through yeah, it's medical intervention. Yeah, it's um it's it's changed me. It's it's it didn't give me the right body. It gave it it made uh it's like harm reduction, right? It's like how did because often my gender identity is still not uh respected. Even well, after all of that. What what is something that you found since transitioning and before you would date, let's say gay men or bi curious men, what is something you've learned about men now that you've transitioned 
One thing that I've learned about men majorly is the fear that men have of femininity. What do you mean? Like I see so many guys just like terrified to to not be the male ideal. Anything that compromises masculinity. It's why like so many I like so many trans women I know like we're like have no problem getting a date. No problem getting a date. Like it's almost a fetish for a lot of men, right? I mean, be, uh, sure, so some people that there's a there's a fetish component, but it's also just people are attracted to us. People are attract. I mean, are you kidding? I I go through all these surgeries. I do all these things. I'm a hot woman. I'm a fucking hot woman. And so yes, guys are, are attracted, and they're like, oh yeah, this this this. Oh, but I'm not gay. I mean, men are so terrified because society taught them to be terrified of being gay. Do you think it's harder to find a man since being trans or do you think it's the type of man? Well, I mean, I was since medical transition. um, It's harder to find a long-term relationship. Do more men want someone who hasn't fully transitioned, but has appearance of female with a well, I mean, someone who's fully, like, I'm not fully transitioned just because I had, you know, bottom surgery. It's like, I will be transitioning to the day I die. I started the day I was born and I will be transitioning to the day I die. But what I'm saying is don't some, there's some men are attracted to a woman with with a penis. Yeah. Right. And then some are into a lot of lot yeah. of men are attracted to women with penises. That's crazy. It's crazy. I literally had this conversation last night with my friend who's trans, um, hasn't got this procedure done yet. The bottom procedure. Yeah. And she said that she let it loud and clear for us. She's like, I cannot stand fucking guys. She's like a lot of the quote unquote straight men. They, you know, she's on apps and stuff like that. They hit her up. And the one thing they want to hit on, the one thing they want is to her dick. Yeah. They, they want, want they-, they want that fantasy of like, they, they, the reason why she says this is because they want to, te- they want to test it out. They want to try it out. They're very curious, but to get it from a man is, is, is gay, but to get it from someone who gives the, who, from a woman who's trans isn't as like, oh, it's just, I'm just trying things out. Men, I think, well, first of all, it's like. Testosterone is a powerful thing. Testosterone is a powerful thing. And it's so sexually driven. And so it's like, all right, so we live in this society and men, I I think people are naturally sexually curious. Mm -hmm. And then we also live in this puritanical culture where it's like anything that's, you know, poo-pooed, it become poor choice of words. Um, anything that is like not, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love and, that. yeah, right. Um, but I, I do think that trans women being sexually fetishized, often it's like someone finds someone desirable and then they're told it's wrong by society. And so someone shamefully pursues it and seeks it. And then it comes out subversive. It comes out um, fetishizing. It comes out dehumanizing. And it's a shameful act. Yeah. You know, it's shameful, very quote unquote shameful. And so 
first thing, uh, you know, I want you to fuck me. I want, I, I'm, I'm going to bottom. I want this. I, what's your dick? What's your dick? Yeah. Focus on parts, focus on the sex, focus on this, dehumanizing that other person. And that's what I experience a lot as a trans woman and with my trans girlfriends is being dehumanized and broken down to sexual parts. But I think that's dealing with guys. I think it's dealing with, I think it's dealing with the patriarchy. I do not think it's just inherently who men are. I think it's like, yeah. I, I think it's, I, I think it's who men have been forced to become because that's who, I don't think men are like, oh yeah, no, I just dehumanize everyone sexually. No, that's what they were taught to do from childhood. That's exactly what my friend said yesterday. Exactly. The word mm -hmm. that you used where you feel like you feel like you just, you're not respected. Like as, I, a, as a human or even as a, just as a woman. It's just as a human being to be seen as like. I, because in a partner who I want, like in a partner in life, in a romantic partner, I want someone to embrace all parts of my masculinity and all parts of my femininity. And I think every human being deserves that. Yeah. I feel like someone shouldn't be told, oh, I like it better if you wear makeup. Oh, I like it better if you shave. I like it better if this. It's like, I want to be embraced for who I am or not the idea of who I am. I love that. I'm, I'm, well, another just back to the pronoun, non-binary, all this. As a, as a trans woman, what is your take on neuro pronouns? Neuro, Zer, all of that. I, I mean, honestly, I don't with the, I, I don't know what, how to properly use the, the pronoun. And that's on me. <laughs> that, uh, that's literally on me. That's yeah. on me not educating no, myself. Got it. I've like, I have not educated myself on that. So. Uh, and I should. And for clarity purposes, trans, are there any trans? So are there some trans people that don't go by they, them? Sure. I mean, so someone could just go by her, he. Sure. Okay. And why is that? Me meaning like why? Um, so, and again, I think this is where the confusion can be. If someone like you have in your bio, she, her, they, them. Yeah. And part of me is like, again it's it's a little confusing because it's like if you're it's, like i've known her for 20 years and i never heard they them prior to yeah like, and i'm kind of like i'm kind of and, and, and it's a little bit you're so cute you like blush <laughs> well, it's, it's a little bit like in my head i'm just like jocelyn okay you're i see i've always called you she yeah and her since you decided to transition why am i now calling you they them I on know, top I mean, of that I'm not, I'm not asking anyone to call me they, them. It's how I identify. I'm not asking any, call me she, her. Absolutely. That's why I say she, her first. It's like she, her, they, them. I, they, them, because honestly, if I would have, if I, that would have been made available to me 20 years ago, if that would have even been in my lexicon, I would have been like, oh shit, that's actually, that's. Makes sense to you. Makes sense because I don't think I can become this, uh, Woman. Hi, hyper feminine idea of who I'm supposed to supposed to be. Right. It's like I love Version air quotes today. I really <laughs> love air quotes today. It's like, uh, you know, and but that is I I I feel so much freedom by the generations and the people who really 
explored and dove into this and came back and said to the elders, me, and says, said, okay, Jocelyn, like, and checked me on it because I was like, well, actually, if I get really honest with myself, there's a lot of things about me that, like, I went to Arizona and I, you know, I was at a bonfire and they say, you know, write the thing on a piece of paper that you want to burn, right? And I wrote on this piece of paper, Jason, and this is in 2013. And I wrote, Jason, I'm going to burn Jason. I want let go of all of that. And I was uh, told by a friend um, who you met and he said, no, 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 don't burn Jason. And it occurred to me to write Jocelyn on the other side of the piece of paper. And I burnt that piece of paper and I wanted to burn. And it sounds cheesy, but it was so powerful to me. It made me cry, which I want to burn the separation between Jason and Jocelyn. Because I am my childhood. I am what I was raised. And that's why it's like, I've been transitioning as a piece of this since the first time I went into my mom's closet and put on a dress. And I found beauty and power in putting on that dress. And, you know, I also really loved my mom's Ralph Lauren sweaters and the things that were masculine. And they were men's sweaters, but I loved a woman wearing a man's sweater. Because, and those are things that, and I just say that because it's like, I love embracing all aspects of my gender. And so when I see someone who has the freedom to do that, I, I have to respect it. And when I, when I see someone who is identified male at birth, doesn't feel the necessity to have medical intervention and they have a beard and they wear, and they have makeup. I have to respect it deeply because no matter what, walking through today's society and someone feel, allowing themselves to feel beautiful just by putting on some makeup or putting on a pair of heels, fuck yeah. Why wouldn't I respect that? And like, it's like, okay, if someone gets mad at me because I, I screw up, it's like, all right. Well, uh, okay. Like there has to be room. Uh, you know what it is? I think, um, I think social media has made it where, uh, and media, um, to where I like, I can think from my own self and I would never have an issue with a dude in a beard wearing makeup or a dress. And right. No, I, I know care, you, you I wouldn't care yeah. less, like go on with your bad self. And I'm like that with anyone in my life. I think it's when the messengers of the dude with the beard in the dress with the makeup are angry and given the spotlight and go big in the media as the representation of people. I, I, I believe the message becomes something that it's not even supposed to really be about. I, th I think often every message can get diluted, right? It's like if what in and whatever community we're talking about, it's like one person does not represent a community. One person, it's like we have opinions everywhere. We have social media that this person has a platform. This person has a platform. This person has 
you know, a YouTube yeah, right. show. And, and, but, it, but the challenge is it can become the voice quickly. Like I know gay pride growing up, the news back then when I was growing up would show the parade, but they wouldn't show the floats that were, you know, kind of calm and dads with kids or whatever. They would show dykes on bikes who lead the parade. They would show dancers and go-go boys and strippers. They would show people who were just versions of their own freedom as being but gay that, or what have you. Well, and that's like because it it fulfills it fulfills what it needs. It fulfills what it needs. And I think what society wants it to be. Totally. And I think there's been a lot of angry voices instead of conversations. You know, the canceling, you know, as soon as you start telling someone, no, you must do this. None of us like to be told what to do. Mm -mm. None of us. I think, I mean, honestly, it's like, okay, so for myself as a creative, as an actor, as a someone who wants to just, I, I've had so much anger and frustration in my own life. And one of the most liberating things I can do is just not take anything too seriously for myself in my own life. I'm, mm. I, I try on a regular basis to respect the people I encounter in the world, right? That's something that I, I try to challenge myself to do. But for in my own life, my humor has always been what saves me. And, you know, it's like I never would have thought, I, I mean, God, Mike, we go way back and you have been around for all of, you know, all of the, the, the uncomfortable shit from 2002 to 2010, you know, mm -hmm. like those years were rough years for me. And I never would have thought that in 2021, one of the most liberating things I could do is dress up like a six year old gay man and do a character and embrace the piece that I was terrified of being. Cause honestly, if I think about when I was 18, the worst thing I didn't want to be I didn't want to be a lecherous old gay man. I didn't want to be this. I was terrified of, you know, like that movie, like Boogie Nights, where the guy is like, you know, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays a gay guy that is like, you know. The last thing you wanted to be was an, was an older queen, but you've gotten the opportunity to play that aspect out in different films and in characters that, and it's been freeing it's like embracing the thing that i was afraid of being yeah like because so much of it is running away from it so where can everyone we're out of time well you have one more question tony's always got question. all tony always goes can i just ask you girl i've always got something up my sleeve what would you advise to men and i'm just gonna specifically say men what would you advise to men who are afraid of trying new things who are afraid because you know society says men shouldn't you know be curious to put things up their butt or men shouldn't be curious to like do something with another man so you know men find it with with women who are trans right. what would you advise men in general <laughs> how would i advise men in how would i advise men in general around embracing uh curiosity and embracing things that may be taboo. Um, allow yourself to be vulnerable. 
allow yourself to be vulnerable and to have like conversation and to like have curious curiosity and okay to be wrong. Um, I mean, I also know that people are afraid of what their partners are going to think and people are scared that that's going to, Oh, what are you gay? Or, you know, all that stuff. People are scared of that because that's enforced by our, not just other men, but cis hetero women as well. It's like so much of it, like we are constantly perpetuating the issue. And I think, I think honestly, the, the recommendation that I would make to, I, I could make to any man, as you said, would be vulnerability, vulnerability and authenticity. Those two things will reap rewards. I like that. Well, thank you, Jocelyn, for um, coming out. Uh, educating us. It's good to see you again. Great to and, see you. And uh, thanks for having this conversation. I was getting all this shit on TikTok. People were calling me transphobic. That was like the thing recently. A bunch of people were like, well, he's transphobic. I'm like, why? Because I've had different guests on the podcast because I've, I question different things. Like I'm genuinely interested in so many different types of thoughts. And we have a culture right now that likes to put people in boxes like all trans are this, all liberals are this, all Republicans are this. And I just think that it doesn't hurt me. Like I know who I am and words, uh, as you get older, words from strangers start to mean nothing. <laughs> like they mean nothing. Yeah. And that comes with maturity and that comes with wisdom and also knowing who you are and knowing what you're capable of, and knowing that the way to get people to change, if you care enough, you know, I, if I care, I don't care what strangers think about me as a gay man. I genuinely don't care anymore. I used to care because I used to be angry about it. Right. I don't care. In fact, I love to push myself to a level of enlightenment where I can be surrounded with people who I know don't accept me ever getting married to another man. And I love the fact that I can sit at that table and I can feel amazing the whole time. And I won't let any stranger affect my own peace of mind. And that's an amazing feeling to have. I wish more people could experience that feeling. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that we're talking about pronouns because I think for someone that maybe isn't friends with someone who's trans or goes by they, them, they don't have the ability to have a conversation. And so they're not able to understand. And I think it's really important that when we don't understand someone or something that we ask questions and we ask also just in life permission, hey, do you mind if I ask you some questions about this so that I can understand it. Right. And I mean, I, I, I know, I mean, I know you well, and I, I've known you for a long time. And so I know that you have an authentic, genuine desire to understand, to be vulnerable, to be authentic. And so it's like that for me is a pleasure to talk about it because it's like, you're willing to get messy. You're willing to be like, I don't know the answer. And that's ultimately, I think, what we're all afraid of doing is being like, I don't know the answer. So it's like that willingness to ha sit down and have conversation vulnerability is like, that's how 
Well, and I think that's helpful coming from you too, to also go, I don't understand why someone could be upset and me to ask them, why are you upset? And I think it's really inspiring for people instead of going to a place of wounding and hurt and being rejected, being able to say to the other person, can we have a conversation around it? Yeah. And saying that I'm not, you know, like I've, I've had to apologize. I've had to say, I did it wrong. I do, I do this wrong in so many different areas of my life. I did. It's it's not what I like admitting is that I did it wrong. Right. I, it's not, I don't love having to apologize for things, but the willingness to do it frees me up from a lot. I really appreciate you sitting down with us. I know I'll probably see you a lot sooner now. And uh, I'm glad you got to meet Tony and Aaron and come hang out with us. This is definitely uh, the longest podcast we've had in a long time. So it's been a minute. There was a lot we filled in. So where can everyone find you, Jocelyn? And we didn't even get into your acting career and everything else, but that's fine. Jocelyn's been on some, some big gigs um, and she's going to continue to do that. But where can I, where's the best place for people to find you? Uh, Jocelyn.DeFreeze on uh, Instagram and J O S L Y N dot D E F R E E C E on. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Love you. Thank Love you. you. All right. Till next time, guys. Keep it magical. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Lafern Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. The Always Evolving with Coach Mike Bear podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professionals.